You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. What does the first week of May mean to you? Did you celebrate Brothers and Sisters Day on May the 2nd? Did you recognize World Press Freedom Day on May the 3rd? Did you try to post a Star Wars meme on May the 4th? Do or do not. There is no try. And on May the 5th, what did you choose to do? Because it was World Hand Hygiene Day, Space Day, No Pants Day, as well as International Midwife's Day and International Tuba Day. But on Monday, May the 1st, this week, it was May Day, the International Day of Solidarity for Working People. It's celebrated in many countries around the world, as well as in communist countries like North Korea, Cuba and mainland China. Chinese people first celebrated International Workers' Day in 1920. In 1949, just shortly after the end of the Chinese Communist Revolution, May 1st was declared a national holiday. And nearly 100 years after it was first celebrated, this holiday was stretched into a five-day celebration in 2019, known as Golden Week. Welcome to Inside China. I'm Holly Chick, talking to you from the newsroom of the South China Morning Post here in Hong Kong. Golden Week is spent hanging out with family and friends, shopping, traveling, and spending money. And by money, I mean millions of dollars. So much so that Golden Week has become a golden opportunity for businesses across the country. Except this year's Labor Day Golden Week is different because it's the first one in the post-pandemic era. There are no more lockdowns, the borders are open, people no longer have to use a health code when traveling. After three years of frustrations over COVID restrictions, Chinese people could finally travel freely. And by all accounts, they couldn't wait to head out the door to somewhere new. During the five-day holiday, an estimated 274 million people traveled by air, rail, waterway, or by road. Let me give you an idea of what that looks like. I want you to imagine the entire population of Japan, Australia, South Korea, Britain, the American cities, Los Angeles, Houston, Chicago, and Phoenix, all packing their bags and going on holiday at the same time. The number of people taking trains on Saturday reached a single day peak of 20 million, with 12,000 passenger trains operating, both setting a record high, according to data from China Railway Group. And those numbers stayed high all weekend. The major cities such as Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Changsha, as always, were the top travel destinations, with Shanghai Disneyland, the Great Wall, Guangzhou Zoo, and Qinlong Ocean Park in Zhuhai absolutely packed with tourists. And Sichuan Province in southwestern China also reported 
the ticket revenues for its 830 national rated scenic sites on Sunday reached 62.4 million yuan, surpassing the same period in 2019. That's roughly 9 million US dollars. But there's more to the numbers than just people on planes, trains, buses and boats. Lunasen is a reporter with our political economy desk based in our Beijing bureau, and she's been covering the economic impact of this year's Golden Week. Hello, Luna. Hi, Holly. Luna, this is one of the first major holidays for people in mainland China after three years of zero COVID restrictions. Can you give us an idea of how many people went traveling in the past week? Yeah, so around 274 million people traveled over the five-day labor holiday. That was almost 120% of the pre-pandemic levels in 2019. It's also more than the 230 million people in 2021. So is this being seen as China's full recovery from zero COVID? Tourist attractions are happy to see uh, travelers flocked to attractions. And the strong Labor Day holiday data suggests that China's economic recovery is going strong, especially in the service sector. And it's certainly a good sign. However, experts are saying that the easy part of the post-reopening recovery is done because we've already seen the release of the pent-up demand in certain sectors, and the rest will be much harder. Luna, what's the hard part? Over the holidays, we see a lot of revenge spending, but the hard part is actually to raise people's income so people are more confident to spend. Only when people are paid more, they would be comfortable to spend more. Luna, you've been analyzing data and figures from this holiday period. What have you found? People couldn't wait to travel both domestically and abroad. According to online travel agencies, the number of domestic tourist attraction tickets sold during the five-day holiday was nine times higher compared to last year and more than double the pre-pandemic levels in 2019. The average price of flight tickets are also much higher compared to pre-pandemic levels because the demand has outstripped the supply of seats. Because it's one of the first major holidays people can travel abroad, the number of outbound travel bookings skyrocketed by nearly 700% compared to the same period last year, um, while the number of flight ticket bookings rose by nearly 900%, according to Trip.com. However, despite the rising number of tourists, the consumer spending per capita is actually less compared to pre-pandemic levels in 2019. And analysts say that the fact that domestic tourism spending is now back to 2019 levels suggests that the reopening boost to consumer spending has largely run its course. And Luna, we saw a huge increase of travelers here in Hong Kong. But what did it look like in mainland China? On social media, we see pictures of people flock to all the famous tourist attractions. And wherever you go, there's only one scene you see. It's the people mountain people see. As a local born and raised in Beijing, I usually avoid going to the famous tourist attractions during the holidays because I know they will be packed with people. This year will be particularly the case. 
I avoided going to the tourist attractions, but I did take a walk with my friend near Tiananmen Street, which is a famous pedestrian street for shopping and sightseeing. It's near Tiananmen, which is in the center of Beijing. There are so many people speaking different accents, and they are a lot of families with little kids. And they were so tired, but they couldn't get a taxi, so they just rested on the side of the curbs. That was、um, something that I haven't seen for the past few years during the pandemic. Luna, you just mentioned a word that is very familiar to us in Hong Kong as well, and also, of course, in mainland China, that is People Mountain, People Sea. That's a literal translation of the word "yan san yan hai" in Cantonese, or we say in Mandarin, "ren shan ren hai." Yeah, so the holiday ended on Wednesday, and has this people mountain people sea disappeared? Yeah, the mountains are gone, and the sea is dried. And Luna, you found a story which picked up on a really interesting trend. We're used to seeing big groups of mainland tourists flocking to buy luxury brands in Hong Kong, but your story was about the island of Hainan. What did you find? Thanks to Hainan's transformation into a freight trade port. Uh, foreign consumer brands are flocking to China's tropical island. They are riding on the hopes for a post-pandemic economic recovery to drive a revival in tourism and local demand. There's definitely increasing footprints of international consumer brands, and that also underscores the growing investment in mainland China and its、uh, province of Hainan. Well, just in case people don't know where it is, Hainan is China's most southern island. It's about 450 kilometers southwest of Hong Kong, and it's really well known for its beaches and its high-end resorts. Luna, tell us more about the free trade zone status that Hainan is going to get. Hainan is being transformed into a world-class freight trade port with an independent customs regime set to be in place by the end of 2025. It's expected to be a game changer for China's economy. The island will have a simplified visa policy for nationals from almost 60 countries, making it easier for foreigners to visit and do business. It will also be a center for offshore financing and duty-free shopping, making it competitive against the likes of Hong Kong and Singapore. That's what's driving a lot of the luxury brands, including Gucci and Balenciaga, to Hainan. Interestingly, I talked to a trader at the Consumer Products Expo. He said that Hainan has a competitive edge compared to the neighboring shopping destinations, including Hong Kong, such as the vast expanse of land, abundant tourism resources, relatively cheaper prices of goods, newer infrastructure, as well as policy support from the government. While the land in Hong Kong is much more expensive, and the businesses are basically saturated and hard to innovate. And he also said he looks forward to see how well Hainan could copy Hong Kong's duty-free model and bring more tangibly beneficial projects. Luna, it's been a big Golden Week holiday in mainland China, and we're gonna find out what's happening in Hong Kong in just a minute. Thank you very much for your time. We'll follow your stories on SNP.com. Thank you so much, Holly. So let's head to Hong Kong. Let me ask: What kind of selfies have you taken when you've been traveling? What are the special locations in the world, and what kinds of poses do you make while taking those photos? If you're a tourist in Philadelphia, maybe you try to imitate the classic scene in the first Rocky movie, 
running up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art and punching the air. If you go to Italy, you're probably gonna frame yourself leaning against the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And if you travel to Paris, you might take a selfie that makes it look like you're holding the Eiffel Tower in your hand. But for this year's Labor Day Golden Week, more than 600,000 mainland tourists came to Hong Kong, and we got to see some really interesting new trends among them, all driven by China's answer to Instagram. I'm not talking about crowds of shoppers heading to luxury malls or people posing with a Bruce Lee statue on the Chim Sa Choi Promenade. I'm talking about people taking selfies with McDonald's bags on their heads, imitating a classic photo of a Hong Kong billionaire on the harbour. And finding a place to buy a vintage camera, well, but the vintage might surprise you. Let's find out more from my colleagues on the City Desk who have been covering this. Here with me today in the studio are my colleagues Harvey Kong and Oscar Liu. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Harvey and Oscar, you were both following stories about mainland Chinese tourists spending their Golden Week holiday in Hong Kong. Let me first start with a tourist destination that anyone who has ever been to Hong Kong has probably taken before, the Star Ferry. Harvey, you were at the Star Ferry Pier in Chim Sa Choi just a few days ago. Tell us what you saw there. So basically, I was at the Star Ferry on Sunday, so that's April 30. And basically, when I was at the Star Ferry, and as everyone who's taken the Star Ferry would know, you would enter the Star Ferry and the Chim Sa Choi side heading from Harbor City. So that's where I've started to spot it, that things were maybe not quite as usual because I saw a line stretching out from the lower deck of the Star Ferry on the uh, Chim Sa Choi side. And basically there was a large line of, say, sort of dozen people stretching out from the bottom all the way out to the open plaza where you'd usually expect to see perhaps tourists taking pictures of Victoria Harbor, uh, shoppers, and also maybe one or two um, excited fans, you know, looking for an advertisement of their idol popping up. So I saw this line and I thought it was quite interesting, so I had to look around. Then I turned the corner and I saw the mutter of all lines on the upper deck of the Star Ferry on the Chim Sa Choi side. So basically we're seeing maybe around 100, 200 tourists lining up, scrambling essentially for tickets on the Star Ferry. And basically they were all crowding around these two machines on the upper deck, which distribute tokens when you put cash inside the machines. So from what I observed at the scene, Basically, people were scrambling, trying to get hold of one ticket, two tickets, and were trying to shove cash, um, different amounts ranging from $10 to $100, trying to get a ticket on this iconic vessel that is a Star Ferry, which is on everyone's bucket list when they come to Hong Kong. Javi, you posted a video on Twitter, and we're going to hear what it sounds like. So basically, in this video, we're seeing people scrambling, fighting, and yelling while they try to grab a ticket from the machine. And on my left, uh, while I was filming this video, I could see a very frustrated member of the Star Ferry staff essentially try to tell people to line up, please back away from the machine. And basically, people were 
really, really frustrated when it came to trying to get the ticket from the machine. And one of the tourists who told me afterwards what the experience was like, he described it as madness and chaos. So essentially what happened was is he would try to press for, say, one ticket on the top of the machine, and someone behind him would press for the option for two tickets underneath the machine. And obviously the machine wouldn't be able to cope with these repeated demands. And even though they inserted money into the machine earlier, it would just end up spitting the money back out. And you also have people just genuinely confused about what amounts of money should they put into the machine. So you would have one person trying to put a $10 bill into the machine, and you have several moments later someone trying to slip a $100 bill into the machine, and you have one frustrated person yelling in the crowd, lady, please stop trying to shove $100 bills in the machine. It will not take it. And later on during the day, it basically went from only part of the Star Ferry Harbor or Terminal being occupied by tourists to basically all lanes of the Star Ferry terminal being occupied by tourists. So essentially the situation at the start was it was only tourists being crowded up and having a mad scramble on one side and the other side you would have confused Hong Kong citizens and residents basically going in, tapping their octopus card in the machine and going in right through. And then afterwards you would have basically tourists on both sides after they realized that they can put cash into the machine trying to scramble for the Star Ferry as well. So that's basically the situation that we're seeing in this video and that's basically the sort of chaos that we're witnessing here on Sunday. So just a short walk from the Star Ferry Pier is the Chim Sa Choi Promenade. Oscar, you reported that crowds of mainland Chinese tourists have headed to that pier to do one thing. Can you tell us more about that? So here's the thing. Uh, Victoria Harbour is a very typical tourist destination for a lot of tourists. But some posts went viral on the social media platform where people were posting side-by-side pictures with the billionaire Li Ka-shing. What do you mean side by side? Was he actually there? Actually, no. Uh, here's the recap. Li Ka-shing is the richest man in Hong Kong. He has a famous photo, which is photoshopped, of him pointing out in front of the Victoria Harbour. So tourists went to the harbour side to mimicking his posture and post the same picture in the same locations. And they make the photo collage and post it on social media. Oscar, what does that look like in real life? I was quite shocked because they are lining up on the harbour side and doing the same posture and then people are just taking picture with a finger pointing at the sky. So I was wondering what they were doing. And then after that, I figured out it's a famous trend on social media. Oscar, we're talking about a Chinese social media platform here. We've heard about WeChat, we've heard about Weibo, but what is Xiaohongshu? So Xiaohongshu in English means little red book. It's an Instagram-like platform where China's Generation Z search for product and service rating, but somehow they make it as their traveling guides to scout for unusual destination in the city. So obviously on Xiaohongshu, there are a lot of trending stuff about Hong Kong because I also see tourists putting a McDonald's paper bag over their heads. What's that all about? So the restaurant McDonald's in Cantonese is McDonald's, but there is one row in the mid-levels called McDonald's Row. In Cantonese, it's McDonald's though. So... People are trying to mimic a parody lyric of a famous pop star in Hong Kong, Eason Chen. Let me translate it for you. The lyric says, Why there's no McDonald's on McDonald's Row? I am loving it.
Yeah, and so now it's become a selfie trend on social media where tourists put a McDonald's paper bag over their heads. Some of them just simply holding a paper bag next to the road sign to have a comparison and post on social media. And the tourists were also at the Yaomate police station. Why is it such an important cultural reference to Hong Kong? So basically, uh, the structure is a very old historic building, which is built in 1922. So it was a functioning police station back in the days. But since then, it has moved to other premises. And then a lot of TV dramas, especially the police and gangster dramas, are filming over there. So it become a very famous spot for tourists, which is also training on Xiaohongshu, uh, because many mainlanders are watching the TV dramas of Hong Kong when they grow up. So I believe some movies are filming there as well. Yeah, and that also includes Rush Hour too. Can you direct me to Heaven on Earth Massage Parlor, please? Hello, how are you? Okay. Yeah, Rush Hour 2 is an action movie that features Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. And the second movie should be set in Hong Kong and also features quite a few of the city's landmarks. So in addition to the Yamate police station, I believe they also shot some scenes in the police station near Kowloon Park as well. I will slap you if you don't move this car. I'm going to slap you. I'm going to slap you. Okay. All right. Okay, look. Here. You understand that? Now you're speaking my language. Harvey, you've also been speaking to mainland tourists. What have they been telling you about their plans while visiting Hong Kong? Well, basically, cultural hotspots also are another big feature for mainland tourists coming to Hong Kong. So these two new attractions that we see here in Hong Kong in the West Kowloon Cultural District, the M Plus Museum and also the Palace Museum, these two new flagship museums in this West Kowloon Cultural District. Basically, this is also another hotspot for mainland tourists coming to Hong Kong. Um, we can see that even the museums themselves have catered to the tourists to try to, I guess, gain more entrance and gain more uh, people coming in. So you would see the M Plus Museum, which is usually closed on Mondays, staying open. You would see the Palace Museum, which usually closes on Tuesdays, also staying open as well. And you would have these tours coming to visit. I've spoken to some tourists who came specifically to the Palace Museum, even though some have mixed remarks. Um, but shopping is also something that's on their itinerary as well. So I can't give you exact figures shopping-wise, but anecdotally, I can say that walking down Canton Road, which is a very, very popular place for mainland tours who are looking for the latest and greatest brands. So Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, all of these big fashion brands, you would see them have storefronts out in Canton Road. And you would essentially see people also queuing up outside these stores and the whole street will just be packed with tourists, often, you know, trailing with children, suitcases, or also just other friends themselves, you know, coming down to get some shopping done. And that's also something that's been remarked by the tourists themselves. So in addition to coming in to see these sort of new, hot cultural landmarks, we're also seeing them, you know, coming to do some shopping as well. So Harvey, when people come to Hong Kong, is it all just about shopping and going to museums or taking the Star Ferry? Well, this is probably where it takes a bit of a turn. So there are definitely other destinations here in Hong Kong that are, you know, worth tours to visit. And certainly one of these more 
out-of-the-way destinations is Chang Chao, which is an outlying island in Hong Kong. And it's usually more peaceful, more rural. And it's also known for things like the bun scrambling competition, where you have these people scrambling literally on these meter-high bun towers trying to get buns. And also having this place that's also renowned for, you know, mango mochis and also large fish balls. And this is sort of like these sort of out-of-the-way destinations that you would see tourist visits. And coincidentally, Oscar has also been to Chang Chao, looking at what these tourists are up to on the island. We heard about the chaos for the Star Ferry. Oscar, what is it like on the ferry to Chang Chao? Wow, it was way more peaceful than what we witnessed. It took me like 30 minutes to arrive in the island. And on the way to my ferry trip, I heard a lot of people speaking in Mandarin, so I bet they are all mainland tourists. So when I arrived, the tourists are basically scattered to different directions. So at one point, I don't know what to do because I really need to talk to some of the tourists to ask why they are here. But luckily, I find a young lady who is studying in the university in Chongqing. She talked about coming to the city for some unusual traveling experience instead of going to shopping. She's more like a foodie. So she searched on Xiaohongshu and found Chenzhou as a destination where the posts have very detailed information of the island itself. So once she's on the island, she went straight to order two big mango mochi and a big cup of mango juice. And then she just like sitting on the bench next to the harbor and enjoy the snack she just got. And then I asked why would you so interested the snack in the island particular. As she told me, that's what Xiaohongshu recommended. So we've talked about food, we've talked about famous tourist spots. And Oscar, you discovered a very interesting retro tech trend. Can you tell us about that? There's one more recommendation from Xiaohongshu where it teaches people go to Shamshui Po to treasure hunt for old cameras. So I find it interesting because obviously you can take very good photos on your phone and some even more quality cameras. Right. So Oscar, when you talked about old cameras, they're digital cameras, not the film cameras. Oh, they're the 2000s manufactured digital camera because people find it interesting to capture a very hazy feeling of the photos because back in the days, uh, the camera technology is not the advanced. They have some shortcomings. But now people see those shortcomings as a new trend because they want to capture a more vintage and retro vibe. The camera costs $300 to $600. It's not that expensive. And they are really popular because people are scrambling at a store on Atlil Street in Shamshui Po, which sells old cameras. Harvey and Oscar, thank you very much. And we'll see your stories on scmp.com. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for listening and thanks to everyone who has sent us email from all over the world, from Germany, Singapore, Australia and the USA, just to name a few. And also a special mention to our listeners in mainland China. Golden Week is over, but the weekend is here and Saturday is both International No Diet Day and Free Comic Book Day. I hope you get to enjoy both. Don't forget you can find the South China Morning Post on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and the increasingly dodgy Twitter. 
and you'll find the latest news and the best analysis from inside China and around the world on scmp.com. My name is Holly Chick. Bye for now. Thank you.